Sleepers Podcast Tuesday, November 14th. The Champions Classic is here. Carter, you and I will be back in a car on the road together going to a basketball game for the first time in about nine months, maybe ten months. I can't wait. It's about nine months too long by my book, Gregory. I cannot wait. It, uh, it, you know, I think it's always fun to do like our little road trips, but when we're doing it like for the Champions Classic, it hits a little bit different than, you know, Northwestern versus Iowa on a Sunday afternoon. Not saying I didn't love Evanston, not saying I didn't love Budarius Bowie in his show, but the Champions Classic is it's a little bit different. It's, a, it's some high-level teams playing in that. Oh, are there? There's is at least there's at least two. Okay. I just well, I was just just checking. Um yeah, don't disrespect like Iowa City like that, man. I had a blast. Some of my favorite elements of that trip were going to places where nobody was. It was lovely. I thought I was going to die in the elevator in graduate Evanston, okay? Um hey, I'm really excited for this show because your team plays tonight. It's going to be fun. We have one credential. You and I are going to play one-on-one for the credential when we get to Chicago. Simple as that. And uh, how's your game feeling? You texted me. I don't know if this is like mental warfare. You texted me mm-hmm. that you had your first men's league game in like two months tonight, and you played yeah. horrible. Yeah, god-awful. God-awful. Nothing felt good. Nothing felt right. It was it was very, very bad. Uh, might be bad for you that I got that out tonight, though. I feel like this is mental warfare from you. I don't think you actually played that bad. Oh, I promise you I did. What was the line? Have you have you ever known me as a mental warfare guy? That's you. That's that's what you do on this podcast. Yeah. I'm the victim of mental warfare. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you have that in your bag, though. You go to that when needed. It's just very specific times. Maybe maybe it's a sign of respect from you to me that you think you need to go the mental warfare route on me. That's for you. That's for you to find out, my brother. I'm just telling you how it is. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited because if you're being honest and your game's that bad, then I think I have a chance. And if you're going mental warfare route, then I think I'm already in your head. And that means I have a chance. I'm excited for this regardless. <laughs> Are we doing three dribbles? Uh, I would like to. Uh, do you not want seem, to do? It doesn't seem fair. What do you mean? Well, doesn't like if we just do three dribbles, aren't you just going to beat me? Uh, I mean, would you rather give me unlimited dribbles? No, I think like I should get like six dribbles and you should get three dribbles. Okay, what are we doing here? You don't think so? You want that? I think I should get like at minimum five dribbles here and you you should have your three dribbles. I agree. If I'm give if we're doing that, I will give you one more dribble. I'm not giving you two more dribbles. Hmm. Can I start from anywhere on the floor that I want? Outside the three point line, yes. Okay, and you have to start from the top. Sure. Okay, so four dribbles for me, three dribbles for you. I can start wherever I want. You have to start from the top. And no offensive rebounds? No, off one and done. Deal. I love my chances in this. That's how you negotiate, folks, at home. Uh, hey, we have a lot we're going to get to tonight. We teased this in our Discord yesterday, but I uh, don't want to say that there's some format changes coming to the show because ultimately there's not. We're going to still be doing the Sleepers podcast five days a week the same way that it's looked and felt this whole time. With that said, we want to do more team-specific like previews and recaps, and we don't want to just do the same five Big Ten teams every single time. So we have some plans in place, uh, whether 
it's just you and I or whether it's you and I and a cavalcade of fun friends. Uh, we have some options for this that we are exploring right now. And uh, I'm looking forward to maybe getting more content on the Sleepers channel throughout the season now that I have a little more bandwidth to do so and we we see a path forward. So d- discussions are being had, all I'm saying. And uh, tonight's a good start because it's just you and I tonight. No special surprise guests. But we have three games to recap from tonight. We have three games to preview for tomorrow. It should be a jam-packed show. Let's start with the Carter Elliott YouTube comment of the day. Another good YouTube day today. Really loving the YouTube momentum as of late. Um, just want to throw that out there. Let's see which one I'd like to go with. You know, I'll go with this one just because it's been a very uh, talked about topic, I feel like, in the comments and the Discord. Uh, this comes from a frequent commenter in Aiden Tree who said, no, because there's a filter that takes things out of the water. Yeah, Greg, every water bottle company has a different source of filtration method. So there's different stuff in the water, which is why they taste different. It seemed to be a lot of water talk going on, Gregory. And I feel like you're very, very much alone in your water take. Would you like to walk it back whatsoever? Or are you just going to stand, stand on business with that take? Well, to be definitively clear, I'm not alone in my water take because I have support in the Discord from multiple other people. Rock multiple, you, multiple you, you other have, people. You have, rock you have one. Me. You have one from Boom Fizzle, and that's it. <laughs> I'll take one from Boom Fizzle. Uh, yeah. I, look, I could come on this very program right here and look this very camera right here, the one I'm pointing at right now. I could sit right here in this chair. And look at this camera and point to this microphone and say, oh, I don't know. I could say something like, I think Michigan's really good and I think they're underrated and I think they're going to cover and I think Namari Burnett's going to have a breakout game and I think it's going to be close at half and then I think Michigan's going to open it up in the second half and win comfortably. I could say something like that. Oh, wait, I did say something like that yesterday, but I could say something like that. And Aiden Tree would find a way to either my Twitter mentions or the YouTube comments and rip it apart and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I disagree completely. Aiden, take the L's across the board in every single way. You have engaged with me in the last month. You've been wrong. I've been right, including this time, my friend. So enjoy it. I appreciate your presence. I appreciate you listening. But uh, this is a victory lap moment for me. And if I see Aiden's name again in my comments anywhere... Uh, just know that I'm victorious and he's a giant loser. <laughs> well then, all right, let's get let's, let's get to the rest of the show now. Giant loser in like a, I love you, Aiden. By the way, like not giant loser like the person <clears throat> is a loser. Giant loser in like a you went one on one with me consistently antagonizing. You lost. You lost. Yeah, yeah. Which is nothing to hang your head about, to be honest. Like Rick Patino. Rick Patino's not a loser. He's cool. He's cold. I like Rick Patino, but tonight he lost. Yeah, he did. It's what it is. Uh, okay, should we go to the Discord? What a way to open this show. Jesus. Uh, we had multiple people in the Discord being like, I I fear Greg and what he's going to be like. And uh, I, I intended to come in chill. But when I heard Carter pick Aiden Tree as the name today, it really lit a fuse underneath me. Uh, I want to start in the right spot in the Discord comments because I think we've been ignoring Booby's comments for like three days. Uh, question from Booby: Who is the worst NBA player that could win a championship this year if they were put on a bottom power six team? Example, DePaul, Minnesota, Louisville, Notre Dame. I think out of that group, we need to pick Louisville. I think that's the worst team in this group. 
So who is the worst NBA player you could put on Louisville that would win a national championship? Uh, I feel like me and you differ on this one. I feel like the last time you said this, it was like Kyle Kuzma. And I feel like there could be a worse NBA player than Kyle Kuzma because I don't think Kyle Kuzma's bad. Um, Let's see here. I think that you could put uh, you could put Marvin Bagley on Louisville. And I think that they could possibly win a title. <laughs> Uh, I like this question. I do think we have talked about this question before. I don't remember when, but yeah, I, I think we did a while ago. And I think I stumbled a long on, time ago. I think I stumbled on Jordan Clarkson, but I I think we were talking oh, about who who would you put on a better team than Louisville though? Because I don't. I'll just say point blank. I don't think there are five players in the NBA you could put on Louisville and would win a national title. I don't. You don't think you don't think like you put like Jokic. Braun. I think you put Jokic. I think you put Giannis. I think you put, I guess, put Braun in there. But he, I mean, he's up there right now. But I guess still Braun. Um, see, see, I, I go farther than that with you. I think if I took any of the top 25 NBA players, no. they would, like, I think Tyrese Halliburton would lead these no, teams to a no, title. No, I really don't, man. I don't. Because I think, like, college – you could literally throw five guys at Tyrese Halliburton and make him kick to the corner. And I don't know who's shooting the open shot from the corner for Louisville, but like college basketball is yucky across the board right now. And uh, one transcendent star is not enough to carry yuckiness to a national title. In my opinion, unless he's, unless he's physically like, like Giannis could drop in on Louisville and get 60, 30 and 10 because of who he is physically. Right. Like, yeah, but also college basketball, we know how it goes. I mean, Zion, for example, physical menace got packed up by Kenny Goins. Like, it happens. That's what I'm saying. Like, all these dudes we're naming didn't go far in the tournament, and I get they're way better players now, but I don't think it's that easy. Like, I think there's a better chance Luka Doncic loses in, like, round four getting pissy that he's kicking to dudes who are airballing than there <laughs> is that he just carries a team to six wins. Like, is difficult to do. And Louisville's really bad. That's the other part of it. Like, if you would let me do this exercise with, like, Northwestern and they get to keep Boo Booey and Brooks Barnheiser, then I can talk myself into some better names. But Okay. Yeah, understood. Yeah, it's tough. Good question, though, Booby. Thanks for all the questions. Sorry we missed them. Dion Hillford. Uh, good to see Dion back in the Discord. I was wondering if, like, I, I think he got a new girlfriend. That's what he texted me. Although, you know, with Dion, like it can change day to day sometimes. But yeah. last week he told me he got a new girlfriend. So that's why he had been absent from a lot of the discussions. But it's good to know he's still around. He says, does that mean you're a bad recruiter? Dash Greg Waddell, dash Jason Richardson. <laughs> still waiting for Jay Rich to respond to me, man. Hey, uh, you landed that one. You sealed the deal. You dropped the bag. It's impressive stuff. Woof, woof. Trent Frazier is GOAT. It says, scale of 1 to 10, how would you feel if Brett Bielema was the next guy at Michigan State? Not happening. Not even speculating. Just curious. Like two? So that's low on your list? Yeah, I'm starting to, like, formulate this thing that I'm, I'm, I want to start body shaming more for my coaches. Oh, come on. All I right. want my coaches. I want, I'm just saying, like Elko's a little bit chunkier. 
Okay. Um, Brett would be a five for me. He's right in the middle. Solid hire. Not like I'm not celebrating, but I think he's a much better football coach than a lot of the names that Michigan State is seriously considering, if you believe the reports. Boom Fizzle 79. Don't want my football coach shaped like me. Boom Fizzle 79 says, could this be the year that the Big Ten flips it around and instead of being great to start the season and then underwhelming in the tournament, they struggle in the early season and work out all the kinks come March and surprise everyone? Could that happen? No, this is a year where they're just going to be telling the truth. They're just going to be what they are, what they show on March. They're not going to just fool people for the rest of the season. The conference stinks. I think it could happen uh, because March is fluky. Anything can happen. That's the truth. If if Florida Atlanta can make the final four, any big 10 team can too. Um, also like just because Purdue made a final four this year, wouldn't mean the big 10 is good. And I hate that people do that a lot. It's like, Oh, that team made it. So the conference is good. No, that's not true. Purdue's really good. And we've known Purdue's really good. If Michigan makes it, that doesn't mean the big 10 is good. That means Michigan's good. Like if Michigan state makes it, that doesn't mean Wisconsin or Ohio state's good. That means Michigan state's good. So I uh, just had to sneak that in and see how car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, 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 Jay Meisner says, I'm a little surprised you guys didn't talk at all about the biggest game of the weekend. I guess I'll get it started with a comment. What did you think of Arizona versus Duke? How did that game affect your opinion of how they will do in the games they have lined up with the big 10 Michigan state, Purdue and Wisconsin? Hmm. Well, for starters for Arizona, I was very impressed with Arizona. Uh, one defensively, I thought they were great. Uh, when they needed big shots and big moments, it seemed that Kylan Boswell was always up to making the play. And Pell Larson is that typical like glue guy that is actually, I, I don't know, honestly, it feels a little bit disrespectful to call him a glue guy because I think he's better than that. But he just does everything right and makes the right play every single time. I really like this Arizona team. It was very impressive. Uh, for Duke, nothing to really hang their head about in my eyes because I don't really think they necessarily play good. I think Kyle Filipowski played good. And everybody else didn't really play to their level, especially like guys like Tyrese Proctor. So um, I, we'll talk more about Duke and their next game kind of coming up here. But uh, yeah, I was thoroughly impressed with Arizona. We should have talked about this game. First of all, it's a good call out from Jay Meisner, our resident Arizona fan in the discord. Um, just a lot going on on Mondays and it's harder to look backwards than it is to look forwards. But uh, Arizona, very good. I'm very mad at Arizona right now because it was like a nine point game against Southern right before half. And then they went on like a 30 to six run. And I was betting against Arizona today because it was an emotional letdown spot. Right play, wrong result. I'm frustrated. Arizona is very, very good. They're very deep. I liked uh, I liked Kishaw Johnson a lot. Back to my body, yes. language, body language PhD thing. Like he was... He was getting some stuff out of Caleb Love that I haven't really seen teammates get out of Caleb Love before. And I liked that. Like that, that bodes really well to me. So I'm in on Arizona. They look really good. Uh, Scrolling down here, I responded to Jay Meisner and just wrote out like, hey, we might do some more team specific recaps. How would everybody feel? Uh, Booby came back with the NBA player question again. You really want to make sure we don't miss that. He says, I want your opinion. Is the amount of upsets this year and in previous years due to the fact that the transfer portal is evening out college basketball to a degree, or is it that bad teams are being overrated by sources like the AP? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. I think that the transfer portal somewhat gives teams a second chance to make some things happen. Now, a lot, now granted, it has to be a lot of resources and things that go their way. You know, Not every team has good NIL and things like that. 
But uh, I, I do think that it is because of the transfer portal. I also think, but because of the transfer portal, it takes some teams some time uh, when you have a lot of new pieces. So, you know, there could be teams that end up being better later in the season when guys play together a lot more. Yeah, I I don't think there's like a hard stance on this. I don't. I just think um, I think every individual team situation is totally different year to year and nobody knows what to expect. So there is a level of uncertainty to it. I don't think it's like raised the level of the bad teams or lowered the ceiling of the good teams. I don't think there's anything like that because I think you're equally likely to have these issues at a mid-major as you are a powerhouse. But I just think on a team-by-team basis, you have no idea how these guys are going to interact with each other on the court until you get in a game setting. And some teams might click the way that Michigan is clicking right now, and dudes look great. Some teams might click in ways that I'm trying to think of a good example of this year that doesn't look good. Is there one with, like, transfers? Uh, who am I missing? Uh, like uh, like really good teams with transfers that haven't like put it together yet. Or yeah, or like just, in general? just any any like I guess Indiana, right? It's like yeah, on, on paper, Indiana brought nope. in a bunch of good transfers. Nova, Villanova, yes, exactly. Like ooh, ooh, Villanova, top five transfer class in the country, and then now they're on the court against Penn, and nobody knows what to do. In uh, Michigan, like not a top. Everybody said their class sucked after Caleb Love left, and. Look how much they lost. And no, they these guys actually mesh really well. You just don't know. You don't know until you play basketball. It's not an objective win or loss thing. Um, but there, there's more uncertainty than ever before. Uh, Matt F. just wants to add to that. I think transfers are a big part. Also think there's more talent out there in general that the mid-majors can go find. That's a fair point as well. Coy says, don't let it go unmentioned. Arkansas was in a fight with Old Dominion as late as three minutes left in the game. At home, too. Worried about Arkansas. Devo Davis does not look good at all. It's not the tournament. It's not the tournament. I'm just saying that's that's it's what what we say before. Like we see a player do it like two or three games or two games, we'll overlook it. But like if it's back to back to back, it's kind of becoming a pattern at this point. It's not the tournament. Big game, Devo. Not a big game yet. It is what it is. Got to get there. Just keep winning. Just keep chugging along. That's that's how I am with Arkansas. Uh, Miami also was in a dogfight. That's a call out from Matt F. Good call. A lot of teams just in close games with a lot worse teams than them. Interesting stuff to start the season. And final comment of the day, Fam says, has the sweatshirt and shorts combo been tried yet? Last window for the year this week. Shorts? And it's still 40 out. Are you rocking shorts in this weather? I think he's saying this is the last week you can wear the sweatshirt and shorts. Okay, well, I'll leave that up to you to try out. I'm not trying that. I am firmly in sweatpants and sweatshirt. You would never wear sweatshirt and shorts? Not in this weather, no. It's crazy. I've been running in a sweatshirt and shorts for like a while now. It's a great combo. Absolutely great. Stellar combination out there. Thank you to the comments today in the Discord. Uh, We got a flurry of signups yesterday. It was much appreciated. I don't know if that came from like my impassioned talk about where things are at with us or not, but uh, every little bit helps. Koi sent me a message. We have 75 paid subscribers in the Discord right now. That is a little milestone for us. We uh, will do something special when we get to 100 paid subscribers because that feels like a rather large milestone to celebrate. But uh, truly, I don't know that if people were not doing this for us right now, I don't know that we would be doing this. 
straight up on a day-to-day basis. Um, I think a lot of people have come to discover us and it's going really well, but given the situation of what has happened with my career change, I don't think we would have pressed on with this unless people were supporting us financially. So uh, we greatly appreciate those that are. If you want to show your support, now might be the time to do so. Jump in. Uh, There's a link in the description of every single video that we do. It's $9.99 a month. Join on a desktop and not on mobile to get the best price. There we have it. Let's get to our recaps. Carter, we'll start with my team. Michigan beats St. John's decisively in the opener for the Gata games. Uh, 89 to 73 was the final score here. I see that you are cracking a beverage right now. Doug McDaniel had 26 points. He had seven assists. He had six rebounds. He was eight for 16 from the floor. Namari Burnett had 21 points. He had 15 points before the first media timeout. Terrace Reed, 11 rebounds. Terrence Williams, 12 points, two threes. Kamal was two for two from three. Will Cheddar with 10 points off the bench. It's a team effort right now for the Wolverines. Everybody looks good. And uh, this was truly a beatdown. After being a really entertaining game for the first 10 minutes, it became a maze and blue beatdown. Your thoughts? Well, my thoughts, first of all, are I'm a little bit disappointed in you because this was a performance that is worthy of a Chug McDaniel. So wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we defined it as 20 and eight. I thought, I thought it was just, we, if he, if we thought it was a Chug McDaniel performance, we just call it that. Is it subjective? I mean, did, did he not have, what did he have? 26? He had 26, seven and six, but I was like rooting for one more assist down the stretch. 26, seven, 26, seven and six in the garden. In the garden. Go get your, go get one. Go get one. I'll talk while you go get one. That is a Chug McDaniel performance. Like what? I'm I'm a little bit disgusted that Gregory didn't think that that was worthy of performance. But before he does get back, I'll I'll just kind of comment on what he said as well. Michigan looks really fun, man. Like really, really fun. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to lead to. I'm not going to put a a ceiling or a floor on what their success is going to be. But that team is really fun. And they are good. Like, if you don't think that Michigan is good right now, I think that you're showing a little bit of bias. I think that you can firmly say that this team is fun and that this team is good. And credit to everybody on Michigan. I was actually going through the roster once Robbie Hummel tweeted it and Greg was talking about it offline. Literally every player on Michigan has put in the work this summer, obviously, because they have gotten better. Terrence Williams has gotten better. Doug McDaniel has gotten better. Terrence Reed has gotten better. Uh, got even guys like Namari Burnett, Will Cheddar, better. Like the guys are getting better. Um, and it's credit to them for putting in the work and it's showing right now. And despite what you want to say about beating Ken Palm ranked 60th team or whatever it is, that was an impressive win. They dog walked them too, by the way, and squeaked by. This was a it, it got out of hand, it got to 10 at the end of the first half, and they did not look back. And Doug was talking his shit and it was a lot of fun to watch. So, yeah, uh, Michigan fans should be excited about their basketball team because I think they're going to be a fun team moving forward. Uh, I do still have question marks, but every team has question marks, though. That's that's not even I'm, that's not even a slight to them. Um, let's do your questions. Uh, let's do let's do the Chug McDaniel, and then I want to do your questions because I I don't want to okay. just praise heaps of positivity on this team. I want to talk about like actual. Are there some holes here? Okay, yeah, we can. All right, so okay. here goes this, Chug this McDaniel. Is, this is to Chug McDaniel right here. All right. Ready? To Chugs. 
Woo! Um, I think us saying that we get to define what a Chug McDaniel is is going to lead to a lot of Chug McDaniels. Eight, 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 four, and four, but it was a very emphatic eight, four, and four <laughs> Chug McDaniel. Like <laughs> you were, so, you were probably, you were probably right. Put the twenty and eight on it. Where this starts for me is, um. I think you were right to lead this team's fun. This team's entertaining more so than good. That's where this starts. Like Michigan has had two straight, really talented teams. I wouldn't define either of them as fun. They've been sending guys to the league left and right. I wouldn't define any of them as fun. Like I, it just, it, that's been the problem with the Juwan Howard era has been like, damn, there's a lot of talent. Why aren't they more cohesive? Why aren't they better? Why aren't they just more fun? Mm-hmm. And in walks our five foot nine savior. Like this, this kid is just meant to be like a basketball adrenaline lover's favorite player. I don't care who you are. Like you and I always say, we find a team every year. We gravitate toward them and we become fans of that team. Last year was Arizona. This year we've said it's Creighton. Straight up, no bullshit. If this team wasn't wearing Michigan uniforms, this would be our team. It would be. You and I would be in love with Doug McDaniel together. And I'm so happy I get to experience that selfishly myself because I haven't felt this way about a Michigan basketball team in a really long time. Mm -hmm. They play such a fun style of play. and, And truly, when you're talking about like how does Michigan play, why are they fun? all due respect to everybody else on the team. The reason they're fun is they're playing through Doug. Like it doesn't matter who you put around Doug. If Doug McDaniel's playing 38 minutes a game with the ball in his hands, it's going to be electric from start to finish and everybody's mm-hmm. going to play well off of him. So that's where it starts for me. It's exciting. They are very good. Offensively, this team is ridiculous right now. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if the shooting's going to last forever. I'd assume it's not. I would assume they just have a clunker soon, but like, I mean, Kamwa was quiet offensively tonight. He was still efficient as hell. He was still making – you see that? I know you love that entry pass from him, from the top of the key oh, over the top. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. those, talking about the, the – what for the, the Cheddar dunk? Yeah, he threw it to Cheddar. Yeah. Cheddar yeah. had the seal. Like, that's – that is such a tiny little play that unless you watch the full game, you're not going to ever pick out and notice. But Olivier Kamwa makes a play like that 12 times a game. And mm-hmm. – that's just winning basketball. He makes everybody else better. Like he's making Will Cheddar look good because he's a good passer and he's a smart guy. Um, mm-hmm. Namari Burnett, I think, is a big recipient of that. Namari went nuclear in the first five minutes of this game, had 15 points. But like, I don't think Namari's ever had easier looks than he got in the first four minutes of tonight's game. Like it started with a wide open three. Then he had a couple of just like wide open curls. Like he was hooping, but everything was wide open because Michigan's offense was getting him great looks. So I think the offensive ceiling is through the roof. I think they have some very serious defensive concerns. And I want to turn it back over to you for the unbiased like leadership of where we go with this conversation. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you have some concerns, I'd like to have you steer and we can discuss them. Okay. Yeah. And like I said, because I do want to make this unequivocally clear in the terms that you like to put it, every team has problems so this is not me putting on my michigan hater hat this is literally me this is what i would do if i had some question marks about a team because you're always looking to improve uh one one i think the issue would be that because doug is so great and because everything is happening because of doug there is a lot of emphasis on one doug playing well but also like 
Doug is so high usage that he might end up getting, you know, tired eventually. Like you might wear him out because of the depth issues, I think, especially at the guard position. I think, you know, as far as wings and bigs, like you guys have other guys you can rotate in. You have Cheddar, you have Williams, you have Trey Jackson. There's guys that you can rotate in. At the guard position, I mean, what you have George Washington. Really, that's it, right? Is is he is who's the other guard or wing that comes in? Right now, it's just George Washington who played five minutes tonight. Um, Jalen Llewellyn supposedly will be back this year in a backup role, but nobody knows when. That, okay, I think that Jalen Llewellyn coming back and being solid will be extremely massive for Michigan's success moving forward because I think they need some type of depth at the point guard position. Uh, the second thing I'll say as a question mark is that it was so funny to me watching Patino and St. John's like press Doug McDaniel. Like he, like that little monster and menace doesn't thrive in that setting. Like, what are you, why are you trying to press that man? You're playing right into his game. You're letting him use his speed and his playmaking ability. And he made that press and those guards on that St. John's team look absolutely stupid in that game with what he was doing. Um, I think it looks a lot different if you can make this Michigan team a half court team. And I think that there is a defensive team out there who can make them beat them in the half court. Now, I think they actually have the players to do it. Like, I think you can still run your pick and rolls with Doug. They still got a lip. They still got Olivier in the fold. And, you know, you still got shooters with Namari Burnett on the outside. So uh, I'm not and saying Ter- that they And Terrence Williams. And like, Terrence Williams, yeah. Throw him, in, throw yeah. him in the shoot. I just want, like, how crazy yeah. it is that we're throwing him in the in the shooter circle. But we are. Like, yeah. He's good. Yeah. He's good yeah. right now. It's crazy. Yeah, we are. So, like, it, it's just like, I'm not saying they can't score in the half court, but it's like, uh, I put it to, I'll compare it to what we said with the Lions game the other day. It was good to see the Lions win a different way. Like, so far, Michigan has just won games because they've just been offensively special. And is that going to continue? It might. I doubt it continues at this rate. That would be like a historically great all-time offense. I don't think they can do that. I don't think that's sustainable. I think that's fair to say. Um, so I, I'm just interested to see what, like, I guess their zag looks like instead of zigging um, to bring back a classic sleepers term. And then lastly, just the, just the defense in general. I'm genuinely shocked <laughs> that Michigan's defense isn't better because, I mean, me and you talked about it coming into the season. Like, that was what we're like, they're going to hang their hat on. We're like, Michigan's going to hang their hat on defense and they're going to win games nasty. Sometimes they're going to win games 58 to 50. That ain't happened. They're putting up 50 points a half now. So it's just like, and so it hasn't affected them yet because they've been so prolific offensively, but the defense definitely needs to be cleared up. And the main concern about that for me is Terrace. For some reason, Terrace looks lost defensively this year. You pointed out to me in text messages and it, it really got me watching it. Like I just, I just think of him so highly as a defender, both in the pick and roll and just in general. And he just doesn't seem as connected defensively, I guess the word I would use. I don't know. He just seems kind of lost. So those were like the three question marks I would put forward. Um, but at the same time, like you're a three and basketball team right now and you haven't, and you've made every opponent put in front of you to this point, despite what you think about them or where they're ranked or whatever looks silly. So it's something you can hang your hat on. Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of the key points, starting with the defense. Uh, it, it definitely starts with Terrace Reed looks clueless. And I am very high on Terrace. I think 
of the five starters, Terrace has played the worst through three games of any of the five starters. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a case that at the end of the season, Terrace is one of the top two players on this team. And it, it, the defensive thing with him is weird because I feel like we saw it play out in real time tonight of like, this guy should be an elite defender individually because his feet move crazy for how big he is. He's quick. He, he, it can out muscle you. He can go right through you. He's a great rebounder right now for the most part. He had 11 boards tonight in 25 minutes, but he was just like out of position constantly tonight. Like it, mm-hmm. I would look up and like, Oh, why did St. John's just get two straight offensive rebound? Oh, it's because Terrace reads like in the first row under the hoop. And he wasn't even like attempting a shot block or anything. He was just kind of like watching the play from under the hoop. I couldn't really follow why that kept happening. It was a lot better in the second half. So whatever they did at halftime seemed to improve the defense. Whether that was just effort, X's and O's, I don't know. Somebody in the UM Hoops forum, I laughed harder at this comment than I have in a long time, said uh, it looks like on a possession-to-possession basis, Terrace Reed is just quietly picking what pick-and-roll coverage he wants to play and not telling anyone. (laughs) It makes a lot more sense. Like if everybody else, if everybody else guesses right, then it's like, okay, they look great. If not, Terrace is way out of position. Um, But I think, I think it's fixable is the thing. Like, I I don't think I would point to anything on the Michigan defensive side right now and say like, that's backbreaking. It's not going to get better. It's more just like Terrace needs to get in the right spots and hopefully they can coach him through that. Um, The other element of the defensive stuff to me is it's definitely fatigue related. It's definitely fatigue related. And tonight, Doug played 38 minutes. Namari Burnett played 35 minutes. This was a game that was a blowout much of the second half. These guys didn't get a breather. And when they did get a breather with four minutes left, St. John's went on a 4-0 run with a press, and they had to put Doug right back in. And he got hit in the head shortly after. So you're right. Like I I wanted to make a joke about it, truly, because I think Jalen Llewellyn is one of the worst basketball players that's ever put a Michigan uniform on. But – it, it like when he's back, it does help them as crazy as that is. Now I don't want that in 15 minutes just cause he's back. But if Doug's going to play 38 minutes and two minutes are going to someone, it should go to Llewellyn and not George Washington for those two minutes that can help the team. Uh, with that said depth in general, I'm feeling okay about it with this team. I'm feeling okay. And it's going to sound stupid. I know Will Cheddar's doing things. He's doing things. He's not like, I'm not advocating he ever starts. I'm not advocating he's some killer. But for a bench forward, he's given me everything I could ask for right now. He's a threat to hit open threes. He is rebounding. He's finishing when dudes create plays for him. He's just catching and finishing. I'm convinced he can do all of this now in like a 10-minute roll off the bench as a forward. That's huge because when you use him, and you use Trey Jackson, now you have two guys you know can play bench minutes across the the three, four, five. So it really is just guard depth, and hopefully George Washington the third can come along a little bit. Um, I do think, like, it's not anywhere near the level of Doug, but I do think Namari Burnett can survive as a backup point guard. Like, if worst-case scenario, I think Namari could play eight to ten minutes a game as a backup point guard, as long as the other guys are good enough. But it's certainly not what you want. It's a huge ask of Doug. And uh, luckily, Doug has been up for the challenge thus far. But yeah, you're right. Like he's one. I mean, knock on wood, he's one injury away from this entire season going in the tank. So um, I have a Doug question for you, though. Mm-hmm. 
be honest with this answer. Mm -hmm. And the grade matters here. When you're drafting Doug as a result to my question here, you're drafting Doug for, in theory, the next three years. How many point guards are you taking over Doug McDaniel in the country? In the country? In the country. How many point guards in the country would you take to be the centerpiece of your team going forward from, from starting tomorrow through however long this player has eligibility left? How many guys in the country are you taking over Doug McDaniel? Okay, last question before I answer this. Like, if I say Isaiah Collier, am I getting him just as long as I'm getting yeah, Doug? Yeah, because Isaiah is going to the league. Isaiah Collier is going to the league in one year. So, so I got to so I got to factor in that I could get two more or whatever, two or three more years of Doug, and I only get one. Yeah, I think I, I, the way I'm approaching this, in theory, Doug is going to be in a Michigan uniform the next three years. I don't think he has mm-hmm. an NBA future at his size. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's part of the question. How many guys in the country would you take over theoretically, Doug McDaniel? I mean, I'd still take Braden Smith right now over him. Um, Starting around from scratch, though, from scratch. Because I I will tell you right now, Braden Smith does not make this Michigan team better if they swap with Doug McDaniel. You don't think? I don't know that Doug makes Purdue better either. Like, I I think Braden is perfect for what Purdue needs. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, Michigan needs a guy who can go get you 26, 7, and 6. Yeah, I just want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. It's because I know the answer, Cart. It's because it's because it, we both it's because we both know the answer. Is, is there no is there no one? I don't think there's a player in the country at the point guard position that you would take over three years of Doug McDaniel if you're building a program. Okay, yeah, because you're getting three years of Doug. Okay, yeah, that makes. I mean, but like that's the to most be on, valuable to, asset. To, to be on, to be honest, though, once you say like I'm getting three more years, I mean that really cuts at the knees what point guards we're talking about here. I mean, but go down the list. Like, if Doug wasn't that good, you would say, yeah, give me one year of Tyler Kolick. Let's see what happens, right? Like, oh, I would still like one more. Year. I'd still like one year of Isaiah Collier <laughs> over three of Doug. Okay, I think that's depending crazy. depend depending on my team. I think that's crazy because I think if Doug and Isaiah Collier line up for a game in the second round of the NCAA tournament, I know who I'm rocking with. Who? You know who I'm rocking with. I'll go to war for this kid. I'll die. I know. I'll I, die I know sometime. I, yeah, and you might, and you, and you, in that game, unfortunately, I think you would die. I think Isaiah Collier would have Doug in hell. We'll find out. Has Doug been in hell once this year? No, but uh, let's go through the point guards that Doug has. Hey, I, no, no, no. I I heard that Jordan Dingle was pretty big time. Number one transfer guard in the portal is what I heard. Hmm. I mean, were you were you high on Jordan Dingle? Not tonight. I wasn't. I don't think I don't think you ever have been really. I said he was good. I wanted Michigan to go get him. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. I thought you were against Ivy League transfers. I am. Dingle's good. Oh, okay. A really yeah, impact, so, really impactful ten and one tonight from Jordan Dingle. Yeah. Good. Fuck it. Doug for the Bob Cousy Award. I'm not saying that. I'm just like <laughs> I, I think it's a fair question to ask at this point when you're thinking about like who do you yeah, want I, to program? I mean, yes, it, it's really it's really tough because I'm going through the list and I'm okay. Is Trey Alexander going to the NBA? He's not a point guard. Steven Ashworth is point guard. Okay. See. 
it's okay to say this, Cart. Like, it, it's okay to just acknowledge, like, not no, only no, is... No, 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 I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking. I just want to make sure I'm covering my bases here, please. It's like, not, please not only is Doug super fun, though, he's just, like, really, really good. That's yeah. all this is. Like, that's... It, like, because the first two games were like, oh, he he might be kind of good. He's really fun. Now it's like, no, he's no brand. He's a dog. He's one of the best point guards in the country right now. And he's probably in a Michigan uniform the next two full seasons after this year. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, it's program changing, man. It's program changing. Uh, last point I want to make on Michigan, then we can move on. Um, here's why I think the offensive stuff is somewhat sustainable. Even though I get like they're just shooting the lights out and they're not going to make threes like that forever. Here's why I think it's semi-sustainable. Through three games, and if you add the scrimmage exhibition stuff that we heard from reliable sources that were in the gym, it's been different guys every game. And I think that it's not necessarily always hot shooting if one of your five guys shoots well. Like, that just means you're a good shooting team. And more often than not, you're going to have one guy shoot well. Like, some nights it's two, some nights it's three. But, like, tonight, Olivier Kamwa was not super impactful offensively. He took five shot attempts. He scored nine points. And Michigan hung 89 in a road game in the Garden. Like, that's what this offense is capable of, even when their best or second best player is not clicking like that. Uh, Terrace Reed, five points tonight. He hasn't gotten going at all offensively as a center. So, like, tonight it was Namari Burnett. We said it on the show yesterday. Namari Burnett was the only player that didn't go get going the game before this. Like, Trey Jackson right now is the only player in real games that hasn't gotten going. And supposedly he was their best player in the exhibition game. So, I just think they kind of got a lot of offensive dudes is where I'm at. And... Mm. I don't think it's like, oh, the whole team shot the lights out. I think every game right now, someone's going crazy because they play up-tempo and Doug gets them the ball in good spots. And more often than not, someone's going to hit shots in this offense. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's not sustainable. I'm saying that the level it's at right now, there's not a guy who's missing. Yeah. No, I think there is, though. That's the thing. Is like, like tonight, there were guys that missed. I mean, but you had Doug. Well, I guess, are you saying Doug didn't shoot well tonight? Uh, that's a different question. He didn't shoot well. I Look, man, this is crazy to say. I don't think Doug played great tonight. I think he played good. Great in the second half, maybe. His his first six minutes this game were horrible. Yeah, the rest of it was pretty great, though. I thought it was good. Find a good for Doug. Like, I, I don't think he, like, really controlled the game like that until the end game of it, you know? Like... And I know that sounds crazy, but I just I no, I don't think I, other than Namari Burnett, I don't think anybody shot crazy good tonight. Okay. So so that's why you think it's just you just think that the offensive in it's not even just shooting, you just think the offense in general is sustainable. I think if one guy every game goes nuclear and it's a different guy every game, that probably means your team is just good. Okay, but here's where I'm coming from, and this is me putting my fake, my fake coach hat on i see a team i put them as like a snake or something or a reptile whatever the term it is there's a clear head of that animal in doug mcdaniel and i would like to see what it looks like when that head is cut off basically because i think that if you i think that you can you can do some stuff to game plan for doug 
Is I that think. not what happened the first four minutes of this game, though? Yeah, but who knows with St. John's because they're so goddamn gimmicky. By the way, let's not even get started on St. John's and what I've been saying about Patino all goddamn summer. I mean, all the, all that's happened so far is he's lost to a D2, and then he gets ran at MSG, which is supposedly supposed to be his house. And after that, he's still getting features on features on features, and Patino this and Patino that, and he's opened up stock market okay. exchanges right. after right. sucking it all up. All right, we get it. Uh, I think you saw that early. I think St. John's whole game plan in the first four minutes was take Doug out of the game. I think they did take Doug out of the game. I think Doug took himself out of the game. Namari Burnett had 15 points before the 12 minute mark. Right. I like that. That to me is what, ha- if you're going to say we won't let Doug beat us, then okay. Namari Burnett's going to get open shots. He had 15 by the 12. Yeah. And I know it's not going to happen every game, but like it good. Again, this reminds me of the Michigan teams 10 years ago. where like, they just had good players everywhere. So if you said, we're going to take Trey Burke out of the game, then Tim Hardaway Jr. hit shots. If you said the next year we're going to take Nick Stauskas out of the game, then Karis LeVert hit shots. And none of these guys individually are that good. I get it. But Kamwo will go if he needs to go. Like, if, if you're going to just say, let's take Doug out of the game, Kamwo will go, and he'll get other guys open shots. The team's good, and they have multiple options, and they share the ball, and everybody got better at shooting. Like, sue me. Terrence Williams became a real asset. What am I supposed to do about that? Not admit it? Like, the guy looks good. The team's good now. And by the way, everyone who told me Trey Jackson was some higher ceiling player, sit down. Sit down, okay? Trey Jackson played 11 minutes tonight. I hope he turns it around. Terrence Williams played 36 great minutes tonight. Like, that that dude earned his spot, man. It's impressive as hell to me, and I tweeted about it. I really do think it's like, it's a pretty cool redemption story from a guy that his own fan base, everybody turned on him. Like I'm, I'm happy for him. I've been loudly critical of him. He's never been my favorite player. He never will be my favorite player, but uh, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for like the staff went out and tried to replace him three different times. And now here he is playing 36 minutes, scoring 13 points a game on a team that looks damn good. Good basketball team. Okay. All right. You want to go to your turtleneck wearing uh, favorite coach in the country? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm just glad we're moving on because it was starting to get in a dark place for me where you started pulling out the this team could do the same thing that Trey Burke and those other guys did comparisons. Well, they can't do that. I'm just saying, if you're going to play the let's take one guy away game, like those teams were just mm-hmm. good. You can't a good teams right, you can't take someone but, away. But to me, that was working for St. John's because Namari Burnett was going nuclear and they were still in the damn game. That's because St. John's didn't miss a shot the whole first six minutes. The rest of the game was who kept making shots and who didn't. Michigan kept making. St. John's didn't. (laughs) Yeah, well, St. John's really aided that by the gimmicky bullshit they do. But anyways, let's move on to... Good team. Who is? Michigan. Yeah, they are for sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Who's Uh, better, St. John's or James Madison? Who's better, St. John's or James Madison? Yeah. They play on a neutral yeah. seven times. What's the results? Ooh, uh, seven times, probably split. Okay, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Yeah, Michigan, probably split. Michigan dog walked their opponent. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. You want to move on? Sure. Okay. Uh, on the road, mind you. Let's, let's not forget that at the Garden, at the Mecca, with their coach in the bowels. By the way, he's watching that on a flat screen. <laughs> When when can we have the Juwan conversation? When does that become part of this? I'm not even worried about that. I can't do much more of this. I can't. 
I can't. I can't come on here every single night and bake it like everything's okay when it's not. It's the inverse of last year, though. I said this to you in text. Is it not? This is exactly the opposite of what but happened. I mean this in the nicest way possible. I'm not as good at you at being unbearable when this shit's going on. I don't think I did enough last year <laughs> to inflict what my team was going on. I feel like I let you slide. You are way better at this. Am I really being that bad? No, it's not. It's just like at a certain point, I just get sick of saying so many nice things about these guys. It's not fair. They were supposed to not be good. Yeah, they were. And I'd be fine with them being okay, but now they're like legit good. And I have to like say that and I can't lie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I give you credit for doing it, but yeah, that's how I felt last year, dude. That's how I I came on the show and said Michigan State was going to lose 15 games. And then they lost. And then they almost did. And I was wrong. And then they almost did. No, at the at this point last year, though, like Michigan State looked nasty and won the Champions Classic because Madi Sissoko was Euro stepping. Like <laughs> I had to come on camera after that and be like, what the hell is happening? Michigan State looks nasty. Why is my team losing to Amani Bates? Like that happened. The only lesson here is that expectations suck. I never want my team to have expectations ever again. Ever. Me either. It's the best. Either. Hey, how about uh, another team that had expectations? Villanova played Penn. You love nothing more than to constantly ask the simple question, who's their head coach? Villanova is one of your favorite teams to ask that question for. The answer would be Kyle Neptune, who is now in year two at Villanova. And tonight was a clear sign that not much has changed, even though he got a lot of new players in. This was a last year Villanova type loss. Uh, Justin Moore, great tonight, 25.7 rebounds, three assists, four for 11 from three. Hey, how about those big time transfers he brought in cart TJ Bamba, six points, two for nine from the floor, Tyler Burton, seven points, two for six from the floor, Hakeem Hart, zero points, zero rebounds, or no, sorry, two rebounds, zero assists in nine minutes. Lance wears zero points in seven minutes. I was told, I I was told that was a top three transfer class. I was told as a top three transfer class. And this is the thing. Like, it, it kind of goes to the same fact of Indiana. It's just like, it's not just about bringing guys in. And I said this on, and I'm not sure if you if you heard it or not uh, on Riley Friday, but I was like, I was seriously skeptical if these guys are coming to just play for Villanova and play in the Big East or actually play for Kyle Neptune. That's why I thought this was a big year for him bouncing back after last season. And me personally, I just didn't see it because of the fit of this team. Yes, he brought in guys, but he brought in a bunch of guys who are honestly worse than Justin Moore and play the same position as Justin Moore. They went through this whole basketball game, Greg. First of all, they were 22 for 63 from the field, right? 34%, 35% roundup, mad podcast. 27, <laughs> 27% from three, 27.3, so I round down. 27% from three. They had six assists on 22 made field goals. Six assists the whole game. Justin Moore himself had three. So, like, outside of that, you're getting three other assists. Everybody else, everyone talked about, you know, Mark Armstrong being a guy that possibly breaks out. 17 minutes of this game, two for five from the field, six points, no assists, no rebounds, three fouls. It's just like, I just don't see it with this team. I I don't. I don't think it fits, and I don't think they necessarily got guys who – are complimentary to each other. Like you get Justin Moore performance, you get 
Eric Dixon, who had 12 and nine, only 411 from the field, but you know, almost a double double. And then outside of that, you're getting really nothing else. Like Jordan uh, Longino played 30 minutes in this game. He had 40 points, he had 14 points, but like you brought in all these guys because they were supposed to be so great that you didn't have to play guys like Jordan Legino, who played and started last season. They like Jordan. Games. They like Jordan, though. They, no, they like they like, but you like Jordan more so playing like fifteen to twenty minutes a game. You don't want him to be a thirty minute guy. Fair, that's fair. I uh, I want to shout out uh, Tyler Perkins, freshman from Penn, who was phenomenal tonight. He's off to a really good start in his young career. He had twenty two points, led the team in scoring. Uh, you also didn't ask for permission, by the way, during your segment. Or do you, do you want to go back and retroactively ask for permission? Permission for to box score watch. We have to ask for permission now. I know a lot of people don't oh, like we do? to okay. when we box score. Sorry, watch, so just Sorry. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you could you could box score watch though when a team only has six assists on twenty two made field goals. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. You know that's how I am. Um, I yeah I so let me ask you this with Villanova because last year you liked their roster. I, we went to see Villanova play Michigan State. And maybe I shouldn't say like the roster, but you loved Cam Whitmore. You've always been a huge Whitmore guy. You thought he was a, a superstar impact player in year one in college. And obviously they had the injuries. Justin Moore didn't come back until late. I know you like Eric Dixon, though. We both like Eric Dixon. We thought he was a very good player. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. you and I came away from seeing Villanova in person last year and left being like, that's a bad team that can't go anywhere. It was always like, they'll get it together. By the end of the season, they'll play their best. Then they never did. Is that more about the roster or is it strictly a Kyle Neptune thing to you? Because this year's roster to me is totally different than last year's. And here they are with a similar result early in the season. See, for for last year, I think that, well, us personally, I thought that we were actually a little bit higher on Villanova, like you said. But in outside circles, it was more so said that this roster wasn't good. So because he has these new pieces, you're really going to see like what Neptune can do and what he can do for Villanova. And then you come out in the first week in the first month of November and you lose to a team that was picked to finish fifth in the Ivy League after losing their best player last year in Jordan Dingle. It's just just not good vibes. It's just not good. It's it's. It seems to be that this is the same exact team with new faces that it was last year. It it just doesn't work, and it 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 just doesn't look fluid out there. Uh, addition by subtraction, Jordan Dingle. Jordan Dingle not that good of a player. It, listen, Doug beat, D- Doug beat him, so he's not that good. We do we do this with the high majors all the time, right? As soon as the team starts winning two games without the guy who transferred away, we're doing addition by subtraction. Uh, clearly, it's not addition by subtraction to lose Jordan Dingle, but little freshman Tony Perkins, uh, Tyler Perkins, excuse me, looks pretty great right now for Penn, right? Um, sometimes opportunity is all that people need. That's what I'm kind of learning in college basketball. It's like sometimes you just got to give a dude some confidence and say, hey, you're our guy. Go show what you're capable of and guys figure it out. Villanova is not a team that that can happen for, though, because uh, all of these guys, I said it during the transfer class, I think all of these guys are complimentary guys from top to bottom. I think Tyler Burton, uh, TJ Bamba, Lance Ware, Hakeem Hart, all four of them are guys that operate best anywhere from fourth to sixth best player on their team. If your team's any good, that is. Like Tyler Burton can be the second best or best player on a bad team, for sure. Same with TJ Bamba. That's what they've been doing their whole career, right? Like 
good first or second option on bad teams. So you get a bunch of guys who were the second option on bad teams and lump them together. Then what? Cause right now that's, that's even who Justin Moore is, right? Justin Moore is the first option on bad mm-hmm. teams. So I think everybody's kind of like doing the Spider-Man meme pointing around right now of like, who's a good player on a good team and nobody knows. And Kyle Neptune certainly doesn't know. So I don't know where they go from here. Cause at least last year it was like, Cam Whitmore will go out and do things. And if he plays great one day, maybe he just like shoots us to a win. This year's team, I don't even think you have that, right? It's like it, it, they go as far as Justin Moore takes them. I mean, you got 25 and seven from Justin Moore. That should be enough to get a, get a win against Penn. So you're blaming the other guys then? Yes. Okay. And then is that the other guy's fault or is it Neptune's fault? A little bit of both. I mean, I think you got to pull the right strings. I mean, I don't it, it, like you said. It's like a Spider-Man meme. All these guys pointing at each other. I literally think, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, they brought in guys that are just like Justin Moore, but not as good as Justin Moore. I mean, Hakeem Hart and Lance Ware got to be sitting here like sixteen minutes combined. But at the same time, what did they do in their sixteen minutes? Nothing. Nothing. So that leaves you in a really tough spot, man. The the highs and the lows, the beautiful things and the dark things from the transfer portal era, man. Sometimes it doesn't work and early in the and, and it's not working. And also sometimes guys don't take sophomore year leaps. Not everyone takes Doug like leaps. And yeah. I don't, you know, I heard a lot of things about Mark Armstrong and how he looked over the summer. And honestly, he looked okay. in some of the exhibition games as well. It, it looked like it, not in this game. <laughs> Let's just say that. I got one number. I know you love three minutes. Chris Archie Diakno. That's three too many. I was thinking you'd feel pretty good about that right now. If he plays zero instead of three, you think Villanova wins, gets four more points? To be honest, yeah. I'm trying to see if he has a plus minus from that four minutes. I don't have it. but um, All right, where final question on Villanova for tonight. I'm sure we'll talk about it more throughout the season. Where does this team finish in the Big East? Because we had a lot of people telling us they were going to challenge to get up in that top tier of Creighton, Marquette, UConn. I just did a show last night, God bless them, but they looked me dead in the eyes and said they had Villanova sixth in the country in their preseason poll, and I reacted appropriately. You would be proud of me, but goodness, goodness, ladies and gentlemen, come on. What are we doing here? Where does this team finish? Because on paper, they were the fourth team in this conference behind Creighton, Marquette, and UConn. Where do you think they finish? Mm. I think they finished somewhere in like the six, six to seven range, to be honest with you. Because I think that I think that Xavier can be a lot better um, if they get the guys, you know, if they get the guys back, not from injury necessarily, but I know they got a couple of transfers that are waiting on eligibility type things uh, from overseas guys. And I just believe in Sean Miller as a coach in general. And I think they got a couple of pieces on that team. I would pick that team over over uh, Villanova right now. Okay. Um... And also. And also, we've seen what a Villanova team looks like once the wheels fall off, too, by the way. They're not a team that re- reacts extremely well to adversity. So if it, if it's happening right now, I'm already keeping a close eye on what their next game looks like and how they bounce back. I need a phrase to go to. Help me think of a phrase that when we're trying to talk about a team that was horrible last year, who's built around the same guys again this year and they're still bad, and we're supposed to be surprised by that. I need a phrase for that because that's I feel like that's the root of all these teams we're talking about with issues right now. And I know Villanova brought in new guys. Not saying they didn't. The new guys look problematic. 
But uh, it's a team built around Justin Moore and Eric Dixon at the end of the day, again, for the second straight year. Those are the two best players on paper on this team. Well, if you're going to put makeup on a horse, one, that's animal cruelty, and two, it's still a horse. It's just a horse with makeup. All right, that's the phrase. Uh, Anytime I say the horse with makeup, that's what I'm referring to. For the rest of this, Villanova, horse with makeup is what it is. Uh, I would put St. John's over them. I'll say that from what I saw tonight. I really would. I think uh, what St. John's showed me in the first 10 minutes of this game is better than anything I expect to see from Villanova this year. So, Hmm, And and by the way, Rick Pitino, Kyle Neptune, put them both in a box. You know who's coming out of that box? Pitino. Patino with an empty turtleneck in his hands. That's all it is. <laughs> uh, to the final recap I want to do from tonight, Purdue, closer game than you would expect against Xavier. They were 17-point favorites, I think it it opened at. I don't know where it is closed that, at. Is that, what, is that what? Okay. 16 and a half is what the ESPN app says. I swore it closed at like 18. Uh, people kept asking me about the spread, and I kept saying stay away. I. Uh, it felt like a lot of points. It ended up being a lot of points. Maybe we shouldn't have stayed away, but ultimately Purdue gets a 12-point win at home in Mackey. I took the under, and the under missed by three points. I'm disgusted by it. Zach Eady, obviously the best player on the floor anytime Purdue takes the floor. He had 28-11 and 11 tonight. Uh, another, I mean, crazy we're saying this, but like a sleepy 28-11 and 11 to me. Like <laughs> right, right now, like we just come to expect that and almost take it for granted from Zach Eady. Braden Smith was flirting with a triple-double. He had 12, 7, and 6. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer, 11 points, 1 for 4 from 3. Lance Jones, 8 points, 1 for 3 from 3. Kaufman Wren with a, a monstrous 1 and 3 in the front court, 0 for 2 from the floor. That's not working so great right now, I would say, the two bigs. But uh, I, the Xavier team, to me, on paper, not very good. But it's Sean Miller. Sean Miller is always going to make his teams competitive. You could give Sean Miller five guys from your your men's league, and he'll make a competitive team out of it. That's what he did tonight to me. I still did not come away from this game thinking Xavier, one, played particularly well, or two, will be particularly good in the Big East. So I'm a little bit surprised this was such a close game with like 10 minutes left in the game. Did you come away with the same feeling? Yeah, it was kind of weird because they were just on the verge of like blowing this game open, like like four or five times. And then honestly, it seemed like Zach Eady kind of missed a couple bunnies. Like I, I feel so bad saying this because like he's nine to 17 from the floor, 28 and 11. Uh, you know, you pointed out that Doug stats maybe lied a little bit. I didn't particularly think that Edie was as dominant as he usually is. I thought he missed ones that he typically makes. Like this could have easily been like a 40 point Zach Edie game. I think if he finishes the ones he typically finishes. Um, and I think that kind of prevented them from actually blowing this open. It seemed like Zach Edie was kind of missing so, uh, some more easy shots for him and then Xavier was able to kind of get out and run and get some easy ones in transition um but all in all I was you know I was impressed with ED with his performance Braden Smith was Braden Smith if I'm a Purdue fan I'm still worried about Fletcher Lawyer but at the same time I'm not as worried about Fletcher Lawyer because Miles Colvin was great in this game three for three from the field uh three three pointers in this game he looked really good doing that. He hit one before the half, going into halftime with a beautiful Braden Smith pass. A pass. I just think that 
a lot of the expectations we had for Purdue and taking a jump and getting over that hump of whatever their tournament bug is on their back depended on Colvin. And I think that Colvin showed that he um, is actually deserving of some more minutes. And I thought he was great defensively as well. I mean, I'm not saying that he was a lockdown defender, but based on the first couple of games that I saw defensively, I thought he was leaps and bounds in this game. So uh, that was definitely a positive for Purdue. Um, but I do think that they should be a little bit, uh, a little bit like, I don't know, not concerned about deep, but like giving up 71 to the Xavier team. I don't think they should have gave up that many points. I thought they could have been a little bit better defensively in this game. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you called out Colvin. That's where I was going to start three for three from three. That's all he did in this game. But if that's all he's doing, I'm okay with that right now for Miles Colvin early in his career. If he can just come in and make a couple threes a game and do nothing else but have the athleticism pop here and there and make his shots, I think that matters for this team. Tonight, Purdue shot seven for 15 from three. Uh, I I would like to see the attempt numbers a little higher, to be honest, because I think that's going to matter. Like, I I would like their shot distribution to be, like, entirely at the rim and then a bunch of threes. Um, They still got a bunch at the rim, but I I think they're going to need to shoot more than 15 threes to win games. And you don't want to find yourself in the spot in March where – like oh you're over three from three and everybody's sweating again like I, I want this team to be comfortable shooting a high volume of threes you know yeah I, it, it was hard though because in this game like they were for the most part just like single covering Edie. yeah so like Edie's just ceiling and staring at you and it's just like uh, yeah i gotta throw this in <laughs> yeah and they did a really good job of that for sure um I feel like we keep having the same conversation with purdue and i i don't want to just like fall in the trap and do it day after day after day but like truly right now what this team comes down to is like you know what you're getting from Edie and smith lawyer day to day you'll talk about but it's it's always the third thing with lawyer like tonight he had his quiet 11 and three assists like good numbers good third option you don't got to worry about fletch but it's nothing you're telling your grandkids about then everything else is where it gets interesting and it's it's just going to keep being the same conversation but i just I think the better players are on the bench. I just do. And I know Purdue's getting really annoyed with me on Lance Jones. Um, he had five assists tonight. He guards his ass off. Like, let me talk positively about Lance Jones for a minute. I get what Painter's trying to do. I think Lance Jones is a massive upgrade over David Jenkins, who they had last year. I think he's a massive upgrade over Brandon Newman, who they had last year. Lance Jones is is a huge upgrade from those guys to me. He can play. He could be on the court at the end of games when it matters most. He's going to be competitive. He's going to not be physically outmatched. He's tough. He shares the ball. All of that, it's good. I don't think he should start for this team. I just don't. I like, and I get Purdue fans will tell me like all they want is toughness and shot attempts from him. I don't think that's helping their starting unit. I don't. Um, I, I think this team's already tough and and has better shooters than Lance Jones. And I know he made a couple threes the, the game before this um, because, trust me, the moment he makes a second three, we'll get DMs about it at this point <laughs> without much to talk about it. But uh, he was one for three tonight. He was two for eight from the floor. That means he was one for five, not from three. Like, I you tell me if if I'm wrong on this cart. Is a Lance Jones shot that's not a three a good shot for Purdue? Oh, also, even to add a little bit more to that, his shot selection is baffling to me. 
That's what I'm saying. I don't saying. know. Like, I, like <laughs> if I'm a Purdue fan, I'm watching this game. I'm like, who does like Lance Jones think he is in a sense? Like, you you want a player to be confident? Yes. You want a player to be aggressive? Yes. But also, there's this thing. It's like know your like know your game. Like know know what's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And to me, some of the shots that Lance Jones was taking, I was like, my brother, you know, you're not Carson Edwards, right? Like you yeah. know, like you do know that. <laughs> I that's what I'm saying is I just I don't. I don't think those shots help Purdue. I just don't. And don't. I know it seems like Purdue fans who have watched the team more than me do like they, they all are adamant that having a guy who can take shots off the dribble is like a big needle moving piece for this roster. I don't think those shots off the dribble are better shots than open threes. They would get from someone else just playing through Zach Eady. And I think the numbers back that up. Miles Colvin was three for three from three tonight on open threes. Uh, Ethan Morton was one for one from three tonight. Open three. Caleb first, one for one from three, open three. Like, <laughs> I would rather just take open threes and get my team confident in shooting open threes than I would Lance Jones shooting five off the dribble mid-range shots a game because Purdue thinks they need someone who can do that. I don't know. Um, if the season ever comes down to a point where the ball's in Lance Jones's hands and he needs to create for himself, I think you've totally missed the mark on who you are as a basketball team. Like, Go back to that Virginia team that redid everything and was great. When games got close down the stretch, they weren't like hesitant to go to Kyle Guy because it didn't work the year before, right? Like they know who their killers are. And right now to me, Purdue's like just trying to be creative and do something new. And I, I don't think it's 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 lost sight of the vision here. You want the ball in Zach Eady's hands and Braden Smith's hands surrounded by shooting. Lance Jones can do that from time to time, but it's a little messy to me right now. Kaufman ran just quickly. You and I were super high on Kaufman Wren. I do feel like this is one of the things we've missed the most on from the offseason. I was just adamant that Kaufman Wren was going to be an asset from the perimeter, be more of a stretch four. He had reshaped his game. It was going to work next to Zach Eady. You were going to see production from Kaufman Wren at the four while you also saw Zach Eady being really good. Through three games, that could not be further from the truth. Kaufman Wren has essentially been a total non-factor on the court. He had one point and three rebounds tonight. Caleb first, not to do the comparison, but Caleb first five points and four rebounds off the bench with a three to go with it. Should Kaufman Wren still be starting for this team? No, it, it's just, and I, I just think that Kaufman Wren is a college five and he can't play next to Edie. I just, it just doesn't work. It, he, it, he, he cannot stretch the floor and it, it just doesn't. There's other, and for me, once again, going back to the, Purdue's not starting the better players type thing. I think there are players right now that are playing better that would play next to Zach Eady that deserve to start over Trey Kaufman Red. Who would you start? I mean, I would even I would start anybody. Honestly, you got choices. Like you could go Gillis at the four, you could go Caleb first at the four. Shit, if you even want to go like super small ball because you love playing them, play Ethan Morton at the four. Like you'll be okay. But like you just I, I, Trey Kaufman just he he just TKR just cannot stretch the floor or even be a threat at as stretched out as a four to like warrant I think being a starter right now. Yeah, um, yeah. He's so a, I he's a, he's a college five. I tried to jot down the numbers on this when I was watching it in real time tonight. I'm pretty sure I have this correct, give or take like maybe one guy coming in or out. The starters essentially together started this game, left the game. It was a 17 to 17 ball game at the 11 minute marks. They played nine minutes together. It was 17, 17. 
Then you get Mason Gillis, you get Caleb first, you get Ethan Morton into the ball game. Those guys come in, a couple guys come in and out with them. After the bench started mixing in for the next eight minutes, they left the game. Purdue was up 33 to 24. We're kind of doing the same stuff we do with Michigan State, where we're like kind of box score watching the play by play of who's in the game and who's not. And we're trying to pick out the guys to fit our narratives. I see that we're doing that, but like, I just, I, if we're doing like a scale of what lineups make Purdue their best, they're starting lineups close to the top, but the very top doesn't include TKR to me. And it probably doesn't include Lance Jones, to be honest. Like, I think you just, you swap those two out for a spot shooter and either Mason Gillis or Caleb first, if you're going to play two bigs, I think that's better right now than how it looks with TKR. And I don't know if that's what they'll close games with. Luckily for Purdue, they're not going to be in a lot of close games. If you've seen what the Big Ten is doing, Purdue doesn't need to figure any of this out to be the dominant team we hope they are. Like, I, let me let me say that clearly. Purdue doesn't need to answer any of our concerns to be a top five team in the country and be the best team in the Big Ten and win it. It's just about, like, are they going to reach this magical peak we think they could where they're clearly the best team in the country? And to me right now, they're not there. Maybe they could be there. They're not there right now. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Okay. Um, all right. Good job, Purdue. Way to win. Gavin Games 2-0 and for the Big Ten. You said uh, – I'm, Michigan- I'm, 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 Hey, I'm, okay, here we go. The 6-2 and two Big Ten is coming. I mean, you, you were the one who said it was going to happen, so – Certainly would be a shame if tomorrow it went sideways. Is that a good segue into our previews? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Let's talk one game that's not in the Champions Classic for tomorrow quickly. Um, Illinois plays Marquette. I think you can make an argument that this is the most exciting game on Tuesday. Oh, 100%. In my eyes, it is. Like with even Champions Classic and I believe that Creighton, Iowa tomorrow as well or today. Yeah. Yes, so, yes. yeah, that, that's definitely the game that I want to watch the most outside of my Michigan State Spartans. But, I, you know, for reasons everyone knows why I want to watch that. I just think this is a huge game. I think that the Illinois fan base after the first two games, too, is like uh, they're not feeling the best about the game against Oakland. They're not feeling the best about some of the moments in the Eastern Illinois game coming off of feeling so great that they beat Kansas in exhibition. So, I think it's going to be a huge game. I think it's going to be a very raucous environment in State Farm. And, I, you know, I I personally want to see what the Illini look like against this Marquette team. And I want to see if this Marquette team is also healthy as well. Because if Kolick is not healthy, we know what that looks like. And it does not look as good as – it doesn't look like a normal Marquette team. We think Kolick's going to play, right? Like Yes, I believe so. We haven't heard anything that he's not. And the big story was like, he had a conversation with Shaka and Shaka was like, dude, you're hurt. And Tyler was like, no, I'm not Put me back in the game. Like that's already happened. And I, it's one of those things like you'll flag and be like, did that really happen? But the reporters are being told that's what happened. I, I hope he's healthy because I want to see Marquette at full strength against Illinois, just to like gauge where everybody's at. I don't really want to see, Illinois play Marquette without Tyler Kolick and then have to try and make takeaways from that game because I think that's going to be a mess for me to decide. Like if Illinois mm-hmm. beats Marquette without Tyler Kolick by 20, obviously that's a good result. I don't know how how much it means if if Tyler Kolick's not there. He just means so much to that Marquette team. So I hope mm-hmm. selfishly he plays in this game. You all offseason have been skeptical of Marquette. 
largely because your team beat them in the round of 32 while their point guard was hurt. Uh, through two games this season, 22-point win against Northern Illinois, 30-point win against Ryder, and then a secret scrimmage loss where they scored 111 points to Michigan. Are you higher or lower on Marquette through the results that you've seen this year? Uh, I'm still lower on Marquette because it's, it's not it's not the Colick thing. It's not the Michigan State beating them thing. It's that I think that Omax is a way bigger loss than these people are leading on to be. And I'm not as a big a believer in Joplin and Gold to be those guys to step up. I think that it's they can maybe collectively themselves like combine, get close to what Omax was doing. But I personally just don't see that happening. Um, I think that, to be honest, this is a perfect game to get like 12 to 14 points out of Dane Danger because I don't think there's anybody on Marquette that can handle him offensively. Now, on the other end, it scares the hell out of me that Dane's going to have to guard pick and roll with Kolick and Oso. But I don't think that on the other end, there's any interior force that can stop Dane from scoring um and honestly even even coleman as well we talked about how coleman stepped this year uh in his maturation is him taking advantage of the defense in spots that he can if he realizes in this game that he can score inside because i really don't think that they have anybody down low that can really stop anybody i think that coleman can get baskets down low as well so i think that this is a game that illinois should be coming into and be like this is a very gettable game if that makes sense i think that's like this is a winnable game this isn't like a david versus goliath situation they should come into this game and be confident that they can get a win at home against this marquette team so i'm gonna operate for the rest of this video as if tyler cole is just fully healthy are you okay with that okay Okay. Mm -hmm. uh one i think you're underestimating Oso a little bit like yeah why because I feel like you're you're just acting like they have nothing in the front court when I think Oso is really really good. I think what made them great was they had Oso and Omax. But having Oso still is like not an unformidable front court, right? Like, yes, they were special with two guys last year. They still got a dog there. Yeah, yeah, I like Oso. Okay, like and Oso has been good. Like thirteen nine and three with two blocks and a steal this year. Like. Oso has been good. I think there's a leap from him as like the solo guy in the front court. That's not going to be like a weakness for Marquette. Um, With that said, what, what this game comes down to, to me is two things. What's the bigger mismatch? Is it Terrence Shannon versus whoever Marquette throws at Terrence Shannon? Or is it Tyler Kolick versus nobody? And I know that's not fair to say nobody, but it's a superstar first team all American point guard versus no point guard. Like th- this is the versus, moment versus versus a good defensive point guard. We're giving Ty that. Yeah, I think Ty is. You a think good they're going to stick Ty yeah. on Kolik? Mm-hmm. See, I I don't think Ty will play much this game. If that's the intended matchup, is Ty? You're going to go lock down Tyler Kolik. Why you think like he'll just be in foul trouble or something or what do you mean he he... i don't think ty can take tyler kolik out of the game one-on-one i just i don't think he can i think he's more like a team defense guy i don't think he's earned the like oh he's just an eraser of a first team all-american who's small yeah oh oh, no i'm not i'm not an eraser i'm not saying eraser i think that kolik's gonna have a good game but i think that ty and his size and his ability to defend will make it tough on kolik okay it certainly could happen and 
I'm not. I, I I would feel way more confident that Ty can do that against Kolek than anybody else on, uh, anybody else on Marquette doing it with Terrence Shannon. Yeah, I think that's fair. I yeah, I'm not saying I'm leaning one way or another right now. We'll do a prediction just to end this, but um, to me, that's what it comes down to. Is like what what is the bigger mismatch? Because I think there's a mismatch on both sides. If Kolek is healthy, Marquette has a much better backcourt than Illinois, and. Illinois has arguably the best wing in the country and Marquette. Uh, I mean, it's a small backcourt with Cam Jones and Kolek both playing. I know they have other dudes they can throw at you, but like you said, like is Joplin ready to guard Terrence Shannon? I would assume like, do you think they're going to stick Joplin on him? Do you think they're going to go small and put like Cam Jones and have him try to get in him? I think they're, I've, to me, I feel like they're going to go Cam Jones and just try to get up in him. I don't like that. I think Terrence Shannon's going to bully him. If that happens. I also think Terrence Shannon would have Joplin in hell. <laughs> Terrence Shannon's so good. I know we like we talk about Illinois enough. This kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Terrence Shannon is like one of my favorite players in the country to watch. Man, he's so cool. He's so yeah. cool and good. Yes. Everything the kid does is so cool to me. Yeah, just- I love Terrence. I love Terrence Shannon is probably a top five favorite player in the country for me. We need to do our full blown like top five favorite fun team if we were building a five because to me like the no brainers are Doug McDaniel, Terrence Shannon. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't who know we found them, but it's, this it's is good any stuff. Michigan, any any Michigan guys. Uh, well, we can think of some more. I mean, we could put like Malik Hall, Olivier Combo in the front court. That'd be fun. Be good. You said fun, right? Yeah, I said fun. <laughs> okay. Tyson's good. Uh, hey. <laughs> what's your prediction for this game? Is this a game like has Brad Underwood earned the like marquee non-conference game to you? Like is, is this a game Brad Underwood wins against Shaka? I mean, if it's Brad Underwood versus Shaka, I'm rocking with Underwood. I'll tell you that. Uh, actually, I don't know. Cause this is regular, regular season. Shaka is nice. So you can't, you can't hate on that. Isn't that conference um, play Shaka though? Or are we, is Shaka nice and non-con too? I just, I just think like Shaka non I just think non Mark Shaka is nice like just in general, uh, and I flipped on this in the last five seconds, so I'm just gonna let this be known. Unfortunately, Illinois is going to lose this basketball game. It's gonna be close. It's gonna be within five points, and it's gonna be because they're missing free throws. Oh, that's spicy. And you and and. This is going to be bad. Illinois fans aren't going to like this. The narrative coming out of this is, why did you leave Ty Rogers in? I left him in to check Tyler Kolick, but also that hurt you offensively with Ty missing free throws or missing shots. Yeah. Okay, I can see that happening for sure. I I will pick Illinois to win this game. Um, the more we talk it through, I think Terrence Shan is the bigger mismatch. I think you convinced me like, no matter what, Illinois is going to have guys, plural, to throw at Tyler Kolick. I don't think Marquette has guys to throw at Terrence Shannon. I just don't. And also, like, no offense to Tyler Kolick. Tyler Kolick isn't a guy who's going to go get, like, 26 and win you a game the way Terrence Shannon is. Like, Marquette needs to be the better team because the sum of their parts are better than the team they're playing. And Tyler Kolick is, like, the ringleader maestro that's pulling the right strings. I don't think... That's true. I think Illinois has some dogs. I think they have depth. I think they have 11 different guys that are starter caliber uh, at a high major level. And uh, as long as everybody's firing and everybody's good with their roles, by the way, follow up 
everything we've heard from Sincere Harris is that he's just like the most mature kid ever. So round of applause to Sincere Harris because I know we made a big thing of that and then like we talked about it, I think pretty objectively on the show. But everything we've heard, like this dude's like celebrating every play. He's a super engaged teammate still. So uh, kudos to Sincere for making the unselfish move. And I think like honestly, given the fact that that happened in the locker room seems to have all been really excited about it. I think we could see like Illinois near their peak happiness level for this game card. Right. I think until, could... until, yeah, until he's not there next year. <laughs> well, I think he's going to be there next year. I think he's going to be there. No. Okay. I'm the one who's supposed to make these predictions and get yelled at, not you. You're supposed to be the nice guy. Any sophomore that is red shirting is looking to transfer. So is Garrett Norman out? He's going to TCU next year. He's a freshman, but I don't know. Okay. All right. More to come. Uh, I'm taking Illinois. You're taking Marquette is what it is. We'll see who's right. Good luck. Illini. Let's move to the champions classic where we have, which game do you want to do first? You want to do your team or do you want to do the other team? Let's do the other team first. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Hunter Dickinson and the Kansas Jayhawks take on John Calipari and his young, talented freshman, uh, the Kentucky Wildcats for the record. I still think Hunter should have transferred to Kentucky, not Kansas. Yeah. I, I yes. stand by that. That's where I'm at. I think Kentucky is a better team if he's on Kansas than he is with, uh, or if he's on Kentucky than he is with Kansas. I think there's more shooting. I think Hunter would actually weirdly immaturely vibe with 18 year olds better than he would with 22 year olds. It is what it is. Uh, this is a fun game though. This is a, just talent everywhere you look on this floor. And, uh, Say this, Hunter is a man of the moment. To me, it would be very Hunter Dickinson to come into this game and dominate it from start to finish. And it's this game is tailor-made for him to dominate too because there's not a post player on Kentucky that can mess with Hunter. No. There is not. Not not even one that should be on the same floor as him with all due respect. So he can come out and dominate in this game. And to me, I – I like this Kentucky team more than others. Like I like the freshmen. I like Antonio Reeves. I like Trey Mitchell. I do. I think that Kansas wins this game fairly easily because I just think this is the game where they can show they have guys that have played a lot of college basketball and have been in these moments before. And they have a dominant post presence in Hunter on this team. Like I think that Hunter could win this game single-handedly. And I think that they could rattle this Kentucky team. So I'm not selling my Kentucky stock, but I think that Kansas in this game will be able to pull it off. And I think they'll win fairly easily. I believe the spread was five and a half. Like I would bet Kansas to cover that in this game. Uh, I just think that because of their experience and because of the advantage they have down low, I just don't know if Kentucky can pull this off. Okay. I want to, do a complete flip on that in a moment. So remember your thought of you think Kansas wins this comfortably. First, Mm. I want to ask you, how do you think Kentucky plans on guarding Hunter Dickinson this game? What would you do if you were John Calipari and your front court is Trey Mitchell? And I don't even know who else is available for them right now. Double. You would just send doubles all game. That's what you'd do. I would send doubles and bank on the fact that Nick Timberlake might poop himself shooting. Okay. Okay. I think that's the right plan. Do you think that's what Cal will do? No. Okay. I think I think Cal will go straight up and he'll let Hunter he'll he'll roll it out there and see what he does. 
And that doesn't bode well. Because I do think, that, to me, that is the formula. If Kansas is going to just blow them out, win the game comfortably, it's because Hunter has like a special night. And I'm going to have to sit there watch it because I'm going to beat you one-on-one for the credential. And I'm going to be sitting at the United Center being like, damn, damn, thank God my team's good and I can deal with this. Now I can just root for the guy. Uh, but here's why I think it's it's stickier than this. I don't think it's going to be that easy. You said, like, oh, Kansas has all this experience. They're going to show up for this. Kentucky's young. They're going to be spooked, blah, blah, blah. Are we sure about this? Are we sure that some 18-year-old kids who don't know any better but think they're all dogs, think they're all NBA players and aren't afraid of McDonald's All-America type games, are we sure that those kids are going to be spooked but Nick Timberlake's not? Are we sure that? Well, yeah, but but this doesn't this doesn't come down to those guys. This comes down to you got Hunter, McCuller, and Dewan. Dewan who won't shoot the ball. But he's bit. But he's good defensively, and he's played a lot of basketball. Okay, but he won't shoot the ball. He might. <laughs> got to shoot the ball. That's what that's yeah. what the barstool broadcast told me during their game. You got to shoot the ball. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know, man. I just think like. Okay, I agree with you that Cal would need to send doubles for this to happen. But let's go down the hypothetical of Cal does send doubles. He makes Hunter Dickinson's life hell and sends doubles. Do we then trust Kansas's complimentary pieces more than we trust the five-star freshman? Because how many times have we seen a Kentucky guard come to the Champions Classic and have 35? Yeah, that's the only reason that I'm like a little bit skeptical because there's something about the Champions Classic it's a Kentucky guard having a moment. Shout out to Tyrese Maxey. Shout out to, I mean, Monk. Any Think about any Kentucky guard. They have their champion's classic moment. Yeah. If Kentucky can make this game, Parker Brown and Elmarco Jackson and Nick Timberlake versus DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham, give me Kentucky. That's where I'm at. But that's that's a really hard task for Cal and his players to do, right? He Like, to make this game not about Hunter Dickinson is the task. Right. It's a very difficult task. If Kentucky can do that, I like Kentucky in this spot. I really do because I think one of those guys, my money would be DJ Wagner. One of those guys is going to have a nuclear game in this game. Will it be enough, though? I think it could be as long as they like limit that- Hunter. As long as they limit Hunter. And by limit Hunter, by the way, I'm just talking like hold Hunter to like 18 and 6 instead of 28 and 12. Okay. That's yeah, I think I, I think Hunter's getting minimum twenty five this game, mm. and he's mm. probably hitting a three to start and holding his and doing the celebration. You're, ah, I'm so torn on this game. So, what do you think the final score is? You think Kansas just wins by like twenty? Not twenty. I think it's like a. I think it's a double digit win though. Okay. Last year's Champions Classic results were basically the opposite of what we what we thought right mm-hmm. both games i mean michigan state won Motti went crazy who won the other game last year why can't i remember uh it was was it duke kansas uh I'm looking through the wikipedia page right now yeah it was duke against kansas it was number six versus number seven kansas ended up beating duke I can't really remember really ugly I game by the way nobody could make a shot yeah, I, I can't remember who coming into that game we thought was going to win, though. Okay. Um, F it. Give me Kentucky. 
Okay, so we're on opposite sides here. I, I got Kansas. We've been on opposite sides of pretty much everything tonight. You had Marquette. You have Kansas. I have Illinois. I have Kentucky. Can I change back to Illinois? I feel bad. Nope. I love Terrence nope. Shannon. Nope. Not, not, not anymore. Uh, okay. All right. Let's move to your team. Final preview of the night. Duke against Michigan State. You literally dropped your phone last night when we were recording yesterday's episode and said, Greg, I know we're not supposed to look at things when we're recording, but I have some breaking news. Duke is only two and a half point favorites against Michigan State. It is the second smallest line in the history of Duke versus Michigan State games. That's what I was told. Uh, Notoriously, Tom Izzo has struggled with Coach K. That was his thing. He got him in the the big one, right? He got over the hump with Cassius Winston over Zion Williamson. But uh, over the course of their careers, Duke has pretty much owned Michigan State. Coach K is gone. Duke's still really talented. Duke coming off a big loss at home to Arizona. Uh, the spread is surprising, though. I would have thought this would be like a five-point spread, not a two-and-a-half-point spread. And before I throw it over to you, I just want to add one final note here. Last year in this game, Malik Hall had 20 points and five rebounds in 42 minutes in a nine-point win over Kentucky at the Champions Classic. Ball's in your court, my friend. What do you expect from this game? We, unfortunately, are getting a pissed-off Duke team. We are. They had a lot of, I mean, number two preseason team in the country coming in. Uh, Filipowski back, Tyrese Proctor back, and they let Arizona come into their crib and win that basketball game, and I don't think they necessarily played that well. Uh, I would highly doubt that Duke has two bad games in a row. I think they're too good for that. I think they're going to run away with this game fairly easily. Uh, We're not going to be able to defensive rebound. They have a seven-footer in Filipowski who is averaging 25 and eight on the season, I believe. Mark Mitchell's a really good rebounder. We are going to struggle to be a defensive rebound in this game. I, I just don't necessarily know what is the path to win this game? I mean, I do know what the path is. I think the path is that Michigan State's guards can outplay Duke's guards because I think that's what Arizona's guards did. I think Arizona's guards outplayed Duke's guards. Um, so if we can get, you know, the reminding folks who I am, A.J. Hogard, if we get Kansas State A.J. Hogard or Marquette A.J. Hogard, we'll have a chance to win this game. But I'm not banking on that. I think that Duke easily covers two and a half. I think they probably end up winning this game by probably about eight points, I would say, maybe more. But um, I, I do think Michigan State will stay in it, uh, but Duke will pull away at the end. I just think they have too much for Michigan State right now. Okay. Um. Yeah, I had a big tweet drafted up tonight that I ultimately did not tweet, partially because I was thinking of conserving your mental and emotional well-being, to be honest, my friend. But um, I had a big tweet drafted up that was like a play on words of AJ's tweet that was basically like, they didn't know that Doug knows that he is who AJ thinks he is not, but he is like just getting really convoluted there. I don't know why I feel obligated to share that with you, but you brought up AJ Hogard and I felt like it was appropriate to say there's this, uh, there's this thing with AJ, right? Like he's a big game guy. That's what people say, right? Is he actually a, a big game guy? Like, do we know that for sure? I I wouldn't constitute him as as such. He's had very good moments in big games, and he's had very good moments in regular season games. 
He's also had very bad moments in big games and he's had very bad moments in regulars. Like to me, that's, it's not like he's great in this type of game. Always. It's that AJ's never great. Always. He's great. Sometimes it seems entirely random to me when he's great and when he's not. And maybe I'm reading that wrong and you guys can tell me otherwise, but that that's truly my belief because uh, like last year, Champions Classic, AJ played 35 minutes. He was one for seven from the floor, finished with four points. Is that a great game? He had nine assists, but like that wasn't a great game. He had five turnovers. Like that's yeah. not a great AJ Hogard game. Um, I know he had the counting stats late a lot last year. His scoring really took an uptick, but um, I don't know. Like the 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 whole Big Ten tournament game where he was on the bench with the bat, but that was a big game. It was a big game yeah. that he was having a meltdown for. So I don't know that I buy that he's just a guaranteed good big game player. Um, with that said, I do buy that very soon at some point, AJ is going to have a great game because he always goes from really bad to really good, super randomly. And <laughs> the numbers would say based on two consecutive, really bad AJ games, you're due for a really good AJ game. I just don't think it has anything to do with like him flipping a switch because he's playing Duke tonight. I think it's more just utterly random. Um, what'd you make of Izzo's comments? He had more, more press conference stuff and basically he doubled down on his vets today. Did you see that quote? Yeah. I, 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 I just don't really take... do we, do we need to keep no, doing this? Do you care? No, I don't really. I don't not, not about the, not about this because I just think that Izzo is just who who he exactly – I mean, he is who he is. Like, you always say, like, AJ is who he is. Malik is who he is. Izzo is who he is. Like, I think he's always going to say, no matter what, that, like, I'm going to believe in my vets. It rides on the vets. It always rides on the vets. I don't think in his career he's ever said anything like, oh, it's all in the freshman this year, no matter how good or how bad the freshmen are, the vets are, whatever it is. So, for this game, like, for, the like, the comments like this, I don't really put much into them. I'm more so actually looking about what happens when the ball is actually tipped off and how he operates in that moment. Not, not more so what he's doing in the, you know, in these, these weekly press conferences. Yeah. Okay. I'm with that. So back to on court stuff. Um, My thing with Duke is I think that they are one of the only teams in the country I think can actually say they have a better backcourt than Michigan State and mean it, and it's true. I think it's true, um, at least given the current state. Like, what do what do I expect who's going to show up tomorrow based on what we've seen this season? I would expect better play from Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach and Jared McCain than I would – from A.J. Hogarth, Tyson Walker, and Jay Nakins. I think if you were listing those six players in order of who you trust the most, Tyson Walker is at one. Honestly, I might put Jeremy Roach at two. I might put Tyrese Proctor three. I might put Jared McCain four. And then I might pick and choose A.J. or Jaden at five and six, based on what we've seen this season. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, it to me, in order for Michigan State to get back on track, if he's doubling down on the veterans right now, you kind of just need a matchup with a team that can't match up with those guards. And on paper, Duke is a team that can match up with your guards, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but also the thing is like, I I don't know. There's a lot riding on AJ tomorrow. 
and how he plays both offensively and defensively, because I think he's going to get a shot at Proctor. And I think that Proctor, you know, is a player that can, I don't don't know if he really wants smoke like that. Like, I don't really, I don't, I don't really know if he wants (laughs) to go head to head and get in a battle with somebody. I think that Jeremy Roach is a player that will be down to go one-on-one with anybody, whether it's good or bad. I don't know if Tyrese Proctor wants to be that guy. Can we flesh this out a little more? So, I love this take. First of all, I think you're you're spot on. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's what we saw happen in Arizona Duke. We saw an Arizona backcourt of Boswell and Caleb Love, and to an extent, Jaden Bradley, who well, his all, card. all three were like, "Give me Proctor." Yeah, and they feasted at times. And Pro- Proctor had some big moments. He hit a big shot late, but more often than not, Proctor didn't want smoke. Is AJ ready for that challenge tonight? I think that if there is a player that AJ would revel in, like you can't cower to AJ Hogard. He's the type of player I think that sees that. And that's when he starts getting himself going and talking to the crowd and calling himself WAP. Like that's when he really gets in his mode. So like you can't you can't give him a little sliver of like he like you're scared of him. And I truly I'm not saying Tyrese Proctor's scared or anything like that, but I don't know if he's striking fear in anybody right now wow okay um i i mean i would call it like you see it greg three guards from another team came into his house and filipowski was begging for someone to help him out he's in foul trouble he put up 25 and 10 he was waiting for somebody else the so-called first team all-american was nowhere to be found yeah so I love that we're doing psychoanalysis of these guys. And that's where we're starting with the game analysis. Uh, So I think you're right about AJ. I just think it's hilarious that that's who AJ is. Like the, the same guy who tweets the notepad emoji is the guy that like, if you give him a dude who's scared, he'll taunt and go right through him and dominate and let him know about it. If you give him a dude who doesn't back down from it, like if you gave him the Arizona guards that we just talked about that did this to Proctor, what's happening if Boswell and Caleb Love show up against AJ Ogard? I think that's two. I think those two guys going at each other. I think that <laughs> it would be who bends and breaks or who bends or breaks first. And right now it'd probably be AJ, but I think that it would be like a, we're going to see who it is. If we're okay. doing it right now, I'm like, I think Tyrese Proctor is going to be the guy that's going to break. Okay, but what happens if you put like Northern Indiana's guards against AJ? This season, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, because like it, he's been so bad, man. We don't need to like benchmark it the best guards in the country that are going to cause AJ problems. Like AJ is causing himself problems against yeah. anybody right now. So yeah. like there's a lot of hope of like, oh, let's just hope that changes. And it has changed a lot before in his career. It could happen. Um, he, I said – what three days ago four days ago i said michigan state was going to win this game right mm-hmm. I, I came on this very program i said it i said that was my prediction i fully plan on doubling down on that uh prior to duke losing to arizona straight up i thought a big element of this game was going to be duke feeling themselves reading the newspaper headlines these young kids being like we got it michigan state's down and showing up not prepared and you get an Izzo master class against john shire first time that Izzo's played john shire right uh, I was really excited for that. Now we don't get that. Now we get a pissed off Duke with a coach that you just said you are scared of a couple of days ago. John Shire is one of the best coaches in the country right now. Mm-hmm. 
this is why Duke is going to win this game, and this is why I'm flipping my prediction. We've just spent 10 minutes talking about this game. We haven't mentioned the no-brainer best player in the game, who, by the way, is a much bigger mismatch for anybody on the Michigan State side than anyone in the backcourt would ever be in this game. Kyle Filipowski will do whatever he wants in this game. Michigan State is not going to have an answer. The only answer you have is the only guy shaped like him at all. It's Malik Hall, who is totally unplayable. He's totally uh, and, unplayable right uh, now. And Malik Hall also, like, if you give me Malik Hall from Seton Hall, the game everyone talks about two years ago, he still can't mess with Flip. Flip is seven foot. Malik yeah. Hall is six seven. Flip's crazy. Okay, now I'm talking myself into this, though. Is Like, are they going to go to Cohen Carr quickly on Flip? And what do you think happens if Cohen Carr gets the Flip assignment? I think that Flip scores 30. Flip takes him to school, right? Yeah. What if it's Xavier Booker? I think Flip scores 30. Xavier Booker has the length, though. He does, but I think that Flip scores 30. I don't think there is anybody on this Michigan State team that will prevent him from scoring 30. So you think this is just like a baptism moment? Flip is that good? There is no answer. If he, Unless he's in serious foul trouble or he's just straight up smoking shots, he will get 30. Okay. I'm with you on that, which is why I think, like, by default, if you think that's going to happen from Flip, don't you have to pick Duke in this game? Yeah. That's like what would what, what would Michigan State's guards need to do? If Flip gets 30, what do they need from the guards to win this game? 40? I mean, does Tyson, be, does Tyson it, it, need it, to get 40? It would have to be some crazy champions classic all-timer performance. Like 15 threes or something. The threes balance yeah. out completely. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I do think we could see some three-point regression in this game, like regression to positive numbers. I think that could so, happen. So so progression. Yeah. My boy Jerry, Paranormal Base, always says positive regression, which I think is oh. one of the funniest things ever. So, I do kind of like that. Love you, Jerry. Miss you, Jerry. Um, okay. Prediction time? I got uh, – I'll do a little shout-out to my preview article here. I think I had Duke winning this game – 78 to 67. Maybe 78-68, I think it was. I think it's going to be like a, between 8 and 10-point game. Okay. Okay. I don't hate that pick. Um, Yeah, I got Duke winning. I got Duke covering. I have no idea by how much. I think Michigan State will play a lot better in this game. I just still don't think it will be enough. I think Duke's best is a little bit ahead of Michigan State's best right now. What do they shoot from three? That was the last thing I wanted to ask you. How many threes does Michigan State make in this game? Uh, I don't know, but they will shoot 31% from three. Okay. Okay. Understood. Got it. All right. Looking forward to this. This will be fun. Uh, One-on-one for a credential tomorrow. You're picking me up, and then we're riding to wherever – to uh, to the Airbnb, and then we have like four hours to kill in Chicago. Yep, we're gonna find a court, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go get get me a credential. We play an indoor or outdoor. You play wherever you want, my baby. We can set up a peach basket for all I care. Okay, I would actually prefer to set up a peach basket. I think I have a better chance if that's. Can we play indoors at least? If we play outdoor, I'm not winning. Yeah, we we can play indoor. I can't shoot in the wind. Only only Sissoko can. Windy City. It's a thing. One big thing presented by Big B. Lot to choose from tonight. What's your one big thing? Hmm. Uh, 
tough one, tough one. Uh, you know what? I think my one big thing will be kind of like a, a player shout out. Uh, it's it's, good. it's an easy one. Doug McDaniel tonight. That was special. He was chirping. He was talking shit. Like you said, if Doug McDaniel wasn't on Michigan, he'd probably be one of my favorite players in the country. He is one of my favorite players in the country, even though he's on Michigan. But yeah, Doug was just special tonight. That was fun to watch. Uh, so congrats. That, that's your point guard. It's, it's kind of fun to go on a night-to-night basis and see all these Big Ten point guards that are having such a good time and playing such great basketball while mine falters. Are you okay? No. No, I'm not. I sense so much pain from you. This season's early, man. It's two games. It's two mm-hmm. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. You still have, you still have a potential best backcourt in the country. I mean that. That I meant that with my heart. That's true. Yep. <clears throat> What's your one big thing? Where's that five big me? Um. All right. This will surprise you. I don't. I do. I do think it's crazy with how good Doug McDaniel has been and how fun Doug McDaniel has been. It's utterly absurd that there's a legitimate possibility that Doug is not the best, most fun guard in the country who has a three-letter first name with a U in the middle because Bub Carrington might actually be that boy. Hey, uh, Bub's nice. I am obsessed with Bub. I love him. <laughs> Tonight, Bub, it was the the spread was nine. It was pit minus nine. I had pit minus nine, of course. Nine point game with 12 seconds left. Bub bangs a three for the cover. Like, I could oh, yeah. love this kid more. He had a triple double in his debut, if you're unaware, with uh, Carlton Carrington, aka Bub. Triple double as a true freshman in his first game. I think he had 18 tonight with like seven assists. Kids electric. I think he's an NBA player. Not to rip Tristan's heart out, but I think like he's to the league quickly here. Bub is special, and uh, I can't believe he's at Pitt. Like, how the hell did he end up at Pitt? But it kind of makes – sorry, I have the hiccup. It kind of makes me love him more. Like, kind of fun that we just get a Bub at Pitt for a year, and he's going to torment the ACC. And then I'm stuck with a WAP. <laughs> I mean, if you put a Bub, a Doug, and a WAP, in a room together, what happens? A uh, couple triple doubles from some and a couple notepads from the other. I'm looking forward to your spirits getting lifted tomorrow, Car. I will go full Spartan dog mode with you. I truly will tomorrow. I'll see I'll see you tomorrow, my friend. Can't wait. Uh, enjoy the day. Enjoy the hoops, everybody. We'll be back at some point Wednesday. I don't know if our episode will be out first thing in the morning. It depends on if we record late Tuesday night after the Champions Classic or not. Um, So stay tuned. It may be out a little later on Wednesday, but you will get your episode. We're looking forward to it. Have a great day, everybody.